0: This is Marking Out. Pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans. We marking out you on Twitter. Pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans. We marking out y'all. Marking Out. Pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans. We marking out y'all. Threaded like this Pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans. We marking out y'all. you marking out. Pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans.
1: Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 670. Make sure you're checking us out wherever you may be listening and subscribing to podcasts such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you visit markandout.com. Buy a t-shirt over at prowrestlingtees.com slash markandout. Give us a like on Facebook. Give us a follow over on Instagram at markandout11 and also on Twitter at markandout Check us out on TikTok and Twitch as well. Make sure that you're following me, one of your hosts at David DavidPTDPT because I am Dave the Rave. And make sure that you also follow Chris at ChrisSweenDog on Twitter and Sweeney 85 on Instagram. But also make sure that you are following Brandon at BTTG161 over on Twitter and over on Instagram.
0: But that being said, Brandon, how are you? I'm doing awesome as always. How about yourself? Doing fantastic. We got uh, some flurries today. Yeah, we did. That's the second snowfall of the season.
1: Yeah, I missed the last one. So one of my patients mentioned that it was snowing right now while well, flurrying. So, of course, I dropped what I was doing and took a peek outside to finally see some flurries. So, that was uh that was nice. It wasn't, so,
0: I don't think it was a nice version of snow, though. It was like rain. Oh, it wasn't really rain by me. Wow, uh, here it was like rain. Really? Yeah, every, every like millionth raindrop, perhaps, was a, a snowflake.
1: Oh, that's weird. By me, it was like pure fluff. Mm. Like, it wasn't coming down hard as if it was rain or anything like that.
0: Well, so that's weird. I think we should uh, mention right off the bat, happy Hanukkah to everybody celebrating.
1: Yes, happy Hanukkah, everyone celebrating.
0: And yeah, so yeah, tell me, you're weak. I made meat sauce. I made baked rigatoni with that meat sauce. That was good. Some say there was too much meat in the baked rigatoni, but I thought it was good.
1: I don't know. I, I think that... You can't really have too
0: much meat in there. I'm saying. Like, even yeah, if you know. there's too much meat, it's still like good meat. I don't know. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's like you're eating pasta with more meat. I don't know. I also went to AMC theaters this week just you to. You saw the Beyonce movie? No, I did not. Uh, I did mm-hmm. go to purchase a Taylor Swift popcorn bucket, though, from the Eras Tour movie because mm-hmm. they were. Uh, i guess so heavily discounted how much was it now i believe it was like 5.99 or something originally it was 1989 Mm -hmm. they no longer give concessions with it Mm -hmm. so it was just the the popcorn tin but uh they didn't have the i think if they had the bucket the smaller bucket and the smaller cup i probably would have gotten those too Mm-hmm. Because that's probably the only sort of Error's Tour merch I'll I'll be walking out with. Yeah. Unfortunately. But uh, both cups are 99 cents now, so run to your AMC theaters and pick them up. I think I originally paid 12 bucks for mine. It came with soda, but... Mm-hmm. so That's
1: cool, though. That's nice.
0: Yeah, and then I also went out... Purchased a brand new Kiss t-shirt with the original lineup on it based on the Dynasty album cover. Mm-hmm. I also watched the maybe like last 30 minutes or so from somebody that was streaming on YouTube of their final show at Madison Square Garden yeah, just to see if Ace and Peter showed up, but it was just the same set list. And at the end of the show, they they... Normally, I believe when they end the show, they play a recorded version of God Gave Rock and Roll to you, 2 This show, they did that, but with avatars. And then there was a QR code where if you scan the QR code, it led to their website with a countdown to midnight that said the end is only the beginning. And at midnight, they announced that they're going to be... I guess, living on as a band through avatars. Yeah, and very... I mean, they're the first to be doing
1: this. First rock I mean, band,
0: because the other only other band doing this that I know of is ABBA. Oh, yes, that's true. And it's apparently ve- very popular and also super expensive. And... Mm-hmm. Wait, there's what's, like
1: What's super expensive? What expensive? The, the ABBA concert
0: gimmick. And there's no, like, absolutely no fan footage of it because they don't allow you to film. That's interesting. So it's like whatever you know of the ABBA concert, it's the trailer for it. So you're just going there, like, paying whatever price that you're paying, a super expensive price, apparently. But people apparently love it, so I said apparently way too many times. And I think i feel like if there was any other band to be doing it it would be kiss Mm -hmm. but it sucks to see that the fans kind of like turned on them during the last show because they didn't have ace they didn't have peter like i said before they wait what do you mean like they legit (sighs) like i thought that ace wasn't he still with the band though where have you been or no. Ace and Peter haven't been in the band since 2001 and 2002, I think. We saw them though. No. Who did we We saw see? Tommy and Eric. Oh. <laughs> huh. I'm pretty sure if we saw Ace he would have done back in the New York Groove and and Peter would have been the one singing Beth.
1: Mhm. But it's going to be interesting. I mean seeing them as avatars now. I mean It's incredible. Apparently, everything, like you mentioned with ABBA, it's been a huge hit, too. I never really
0: expected ABBA to have such a resurrection. It sucks so much when ABBA was like, oh, we're coming back, and then they're like, as avatars! It's like, mmm... Because I would have wanted to probably see ABBA live. I don't even know if they could still be ABBA. I don't know if they could still do it. I don't know if they have the, the vocals still. Yeah. So it kind of sucks that they weren't actually going out on like one final, like, Hey, here's a reunion or Hey, here's one last tour sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah. with the whole kiss thing, I do wish that that final show was more of a special final show. And I probably will not be going to see the avatars. Yeah. I have no interest to in seeing an avatar. But I can't, I can't blame them for doing this. And to me, it makes sense to me. I don't think people should be complaining about anything. Why? Well, like I don't get why the complaints. Oh, Kiss died. Kiss died back in two thousand two, two thousand one. We already saw their their farewell tour. This is a shell of mm. a shell. Blah blah blah. But par I get some of the complaints, but I don't. I don't think so. I don't think you should be complaining.
1: No, I mean. I think it's normal. I mean, if you're going to have anybody try to cash in on something, it's going to be kiss. Yeah. You know.
0: And but... it makes so much sense especially with their their characters and their gimmicks. Yeah, of course. Sky's you know? the limit for that. They could they could work some sort of sphere show. I think yeah. the visuals would be insane for that. I would say yeah, keep on going with it, you know. Now if uh if Taylor Swift wanted to become an avatar, I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to... I, I would I would be interested in seeing that, but...
1: I feel like it would have to be a band that's just not torn anymore. You know?
0: I, I think if Taylor Swift became an avatar, though, I think it would sell out every single time.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. It's kind of like... It's so crazy how now avatars are doing concerts. It's like... I mean... It's kind of like futuristic uh, Futurama, except in Futurama they had like Beck's head performing on stage.
0: But what were the gorillas? What did they perform as?
1: The gorillas, I guess you can say, were the originals. I mean, I think they just had a black um, a screen in front of them, and they performed behind the screen, where you just saw their shadows, and then on the Tron, you saw. Like the music videos and like their characters performing, right? So I mean, gorillas are definitely, if anything, I say probably one of the innovators of doing something like that, like not of doing a concert and not showing who's actually performing, you know. But yeah, so so long to uh to kiss. Yeah. Anything else? No. How was your week? My week was awesome um as you know as we mentioned i did go to smackdown at barclays center and it was so much fun it was such a great time i went with two of my good friends i went with uh, Umu, uh ermugan and amen and it was ermugans and amen's first uh w- first event in the u.s and it was their first WWE event as well. Uh they came over from Pakistan and it was so it was really special because they grew up watching wrestling. Uh big like Randy Orton fans. I mean, Ermugan had Kevin Owens' theme song as his ringtone. Um so it was really cool to connect with um just people who are um it just shows how global WWE is, which we know. But to be able to connect to people about with uh to friends with uh, over WWE and just going to the event with them, it was so much fun. It was great. We were dancing to Bianca Belair's theme song. We were rocking out. Um did they buy any merch or no? No, no. The lines So what happened was we got there probably uh maybe 6:45. Maybe right before 7, 6.45. And so the line wasn't crazy to get in. The lines were already in there. Um, I would definitely do that again if I was going to go to a an event to show up relatively not when the door is just open. Um, we got right in. The metal detectors right through. Uh, the lines for food were long on the bottom floor. But we were in section 215. So when we went up to the sections 200, the... Concession stands were still longer, but not as long as the ones down on the first floor, and they were still manageable. We probably waited online like maybe ten minutes, not even. Uh, it was definitely a great experience. The seats that we had were perfect. It was section two fifteen, and we were just just straight away uh, looking at the the entrance. So we were right across from the entrance, perfect view. It wasn't a steep downward slope kind of a seat like in the corners of the Barclays Center and it was just so much fun um some of the big moments that was like Randy Orton showing up was of course the LA Night pop just to hear that pop uh you had Jimmy Uso getting hit with the RKO and then just being rolled up which was hilarious um and something that was really really cool was they gave us they gave us two dark matches which is very rare. I mean, I've never I don't think I've been to an event where they have had two dark matches have you? We might have like dark matches after
0: the show we should say.
1: Yeah, dark matches after the show. Before the show for us, they had um um who is it? Alba Fire, Isla Dawn. No, no. Yeah, and Isla Dawn. And Mia Yemen, and Zelina
0: Vega teaming
1: up. Yeah, yeah. In a tag team match with, with Vega picking up the victory. But after the event, once smacked... The thing I love about dark matches, but also live events, well, house shows, is that once... So for a televised event, for a dark match, once the camera cuts at 10 p.m., they like go right into that dark match. There's no break, no nothing. So they rolled up uh, Jimmy Uso. They rolled him up. They put him right into the arms of one of the um, one of the crew, and then he put him back on the ring. And like right away, Seth Rollins' theme song hits. Seth Rollins is coming down to the ring as Randy Orton still making his way up the uh, this the stage. And Randy Orton is, like, dancing, doing the fingers to Seth Rollins' theme song as well, which was pretty funny. Um, And then, like, right away, no skipping a beat, you go right into Nakamura. So we got to see Seth Rollins versus Nakamura, which was probably, like, a good 10-minute match. Um, Or at least it felt like it. And you had back-and-forth action. Of course, you know that Seth Rollins isn't losing because it was a World Heavyweight Championship matchup title on the line. So, you knew he wasn't going to lose it on a dark match. But you had Shinsuke Nakamura rock Seth Rollins with the Kinshasa to the back of the head. And you were like, wow, did like definitely didn't see him hitting his finisher right now. And then he kicks out of it. And then Seth Rollins hit him with the pedigree. And uh, Nakamura kicked out of the pedigree. Which was surprising. And then they continued just a little bit longer. Until the curb stomp ended the match. And then right away. It queued right into Dirty Dom coming out. And then Dirty Dom came out. To face off against um, Cody Rhodes. Which was a quick match. Maybe less than five minutes. Really, really quick match. Uh, Dominic tried to. He went for the uh, three amigos. And then Cody Rhodes ended up reversing it. Right at the very end to hit him with the crossroads and pick up the victory. But something I have never seen before and really really surprised me, but also had me gain such respect for Cody Rhodes and also WWE. But the so the entire thing probably ended like 10 I'll say 10:20 for like 15 minutes after that everybody starts leaving of course the arena. Everybody starts leaving. Cody Rhodes' theme song is playing on repeat. Cody Rhodes is staying out there, shaking hands and taking autographs, uh, taking pictures and signing autographs for, like, anybody coming up to that front row to say hi to him. Anybody. He stayed out there for so long, and the uh, entire arena was emptying and emptying and emptying, and he was still staying out there, taking pictures with everybody, and smiling, and Giving the fans what they really wanted, and I'm like, this guy is such a baby face. This is incredible. <laughs> I've, I think the only time we've I've ever experienced something like this was with Kenny Chesney, which I don't know if you would remember, but I do remember that. Right, right at the very end, Kenny Chesney stayed out there for just. A, I don't. It wasn't as long as Cody Rhodes, but he stayed out there, signing autographs for anybody and shaking, taking hands and picture, uh, taking shaking hands and taking pictures with anybody coming up to Kenny Chesney. And I was just so taken away by this. I thought it was great. And then it was just awesome. And then at the end of the night, Ermugan uh, and Amen, we decided to get off, get, go to Jamaica. And we were like, you know what? We got to do it again. So we don't know when we're going to go to the next one. We have MSG upcoming for a house show. Who knows? It's a live believe event, it's, pal. A live event, day after Christmas, I believe. Um, what I also, you didn't have too many overpowering CM Punk chants. You had a few break in, but it wasn't overpowering. Um, I always loved the just the feeling of being at a live event in general. It's just so much fun. The autographs that were on sale was Cody Rhodes and LA Knight. Uh, for a moment, I saw so LA Knight's autograph is red and yellow. And I was like, "No way for twenty dollars, I'm gonna have to get online for this,
0: but then you thought I, it was
1: Hogan, yeah, I thought it was Hogan because of the red and yellow, um, and then I like I didn't get online. I kind of looked on the side, I'm like, I have to see this, and then I saw it was l a night I'm like, okay, i'm not I'm okay with that, but if it was Hogan, I definitely would have gotten online for that,
0: and then you saw the red, white, and blue, and you thought it was Mr. America,
1: yes, yes, I did." <laughs> Um, no, but overall it was great. I know like you've had mixed, well, bad experiences with the Barclays Center, but my experience for this one was really fantastic. No, you showed up late. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I definitely showed up, showed up late.
0: Um, but. And you said the merch line was crazy, so that's not a good experience. And you said that the concession stand was crazy long. No, 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 no. The the
1: the well, the merch stand was, but I'm not gonna get online if I don't see something I want, anyways. You know that. And the one the conces- the concession stand that was upstairs was far from crowded. They didn't have um, merch upstairs either. No, no, they did. Oh. Yeah, they had they had merch upstairs too, but there was just nothing that it really caught my eye. They had a few new CM Punk shirts and stuff like that, but nothing that I was just like I have to go home with this. And the autographs, you know, I would have, but it was also drizzling that day. And I get very OCD. I told Um, you how to do it. I know, but I, I mean, me myself, I still have like so much OCD that even if I triple bagged this autograph, if I had it on me the entire event, I would be so OCD about it being bent just a tiny, tiny, tiny bit on a corner. And just, it would have been too much for me. Um, yeah. But overall, I loved it. I loved it. So, but that was my experience at SmackDown with Umugan and Amen. And let's get on to it. Keep on talking about some pro wrestling. Talk and talk about some WWE Monday Night Raw.
0: Monday Night Nitro, which kicked off with three McIntyre where he pretty much referenced CM Punk coming back and being forgiven, but and then that triggered everybody to chant CM Punk. He's like, "Oh, I could be talking about anybody," which I thought was funny. Yeah. But then he spoke about what he did to Seth Rollins last week. He spoke about Jay Uso, and he went on to went to move to uh, Sami Zayn, and Sami interrupted. And Drew said that Sammy Zayn is the one person who deserves to be screwed over by the bloodline because he went so far with the bloodline doing everything that the bloodline was doing. So, and I believe Sammy said that he thought he and Drew were alike, but the more he hears from Drew McIntyre, the more he realizes they're nothing alike. And Mm -hmm. after he lost in front of his family, he stayed hungry he main evented WrestleMania. He won the tag team championships with Kevin Owens in the main event of WrestleMania. And then Drew McIntyre called for his match with Sammy to, uh, to start after Sammy questioned whether or not his family would be proud. That pissed Drew McIntyre off. McIntyre went on to defeat Sami Zayn. I thought it was a good match, but Michael Cole kept trying to spin it as, as Drew McIntyre being in the wrong. Yeah. I feel like that's just ridiculous because McIntyre has like actual reasons to be pissed off at Jey Uso and Sami Zayn.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that McIntyre is totally justified. I think he's totally justified, but I do love this heel turn of him being a justifiable heel turn. You know, it's not like. I mean, I feel like with this sort of a heel turn, the Drew McIntyre fans are still going to remain Drew McIntyre fans because they're like, yeah, no, he's being screwed over and over. He should be champion. He should have his shot. There's no, he got screwed out of it, you know? So I really like it.
0: And Sammy's knee got dinged up during this and that played a factor throughout the match. McIntyre even like struck it right before the end of the match, so that plays up the new like heel side of Drew McIntyre. Yeah, I wish they didn't go to the outside of the ring as much as they did, because that kind of annoys me. Mm-hmm. But uh, the segment and the match took about the the first thirty minutes of Monday Night Raw, and I thought it was very well done. I and, totally agree with you. And we saw Sami Zayn backstage getting his his knee checked out by the doctor only to get like totally blindsided by Drew McIntyre. Oddly, though, not in the trainer's room. Yeah. <laughs> it was just backstage on a, a production case or something. And yeah, McIntyre took him out and and attacked his knee again. Yeah, it's such a, a total heel move. Yeah. After that, we saw Becky Lynch interviewed. Uh, but before she answered anything, Nia Jax interrupted her. She questioned if Becky was looking for a fight, and Becky said yes. They mentioned the the moment where Nia Jax broke Becky Lynch's nose that made her the man, without actually mentioning that. Mm -hmm. And then we go into Nia Jax's match, where she picked up the victory over Shayna Baszler. Part of me thinks that Baszler shouldn't have lost this, because she... Uh absolutely killed Nia Jax the last time they faced off against each other in singles match mm-hmm. two minutes back in like 2021. That was the final thing Nia Jax did before returning at the rumble this year. But I definitely understand Shayna Baszler losing because and commentary, did a good job of building Nia Jax up. Yeah. This is a new Nia Jax. And they said that the only way people have been able to stop Nia Jax is, is, if they team up mm-hmm. since she's been back. So I think this was good. Uh, again, they went outside and I think I would have been fine if they just did the apron stuff. Yeah. Instead of I, all the outside stuff they did.
1: I totally agree with you. I think that you could have had Basler win this match, but I totally get it. I think that fans are still just so far from being supportive of Nia Tracks. I don't think she's ever, it's the same thing with Eva Marie. Yeah. You know, they're just not going to give her a chance at all. And it was a competitive
0: sucks. match. Yeah. Becky Lynch came out afterwards, and Nia Jax left, so Nia Jax doesn't want that fight yet. No, not yet.
1: Not yet, she says. Next up, yeah, D. Ah, wow. Pick up the victory over Imperium in a two out of three falls match. Um, I think that this was predictable, especially with the I don't want to say impending breakup, but we'll say with the rocky territory of
0: Imperium right now. Yeah. I was not expecting this to be a two out of three falls match. I don't even know if that was announced, but when they announced that, I was like, what? So Mm -hmm. that took me back. But uh, Giovanni Vinci hit a very, very nice running crossbody in this match. That was, that was, yeah, but Kaiser won the first fall by grabbing Johnny Gargano's trunks Champa at one point grabbed Kaiser as Johnny Gargano pinned Giovanni Vinci to, uh, to tie up the, the match. Then DIY did a like backdrop running power bomb thing. And I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then DIY yeah. almost won with that. Meet me in the, the middle on or meet in the middle. I keep saying it wrong <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, Ludwig Kaiser Giovanni Vinci grabbed Champa out of the ring He ends up throwing Vinci and then eventually he gets back in the ring tags back out and they like reverse it and do the meet in the middle again to, to actually finish the match. Yeah. So I thought that was well done.
1: Solid match. I agree. Next up you had Chance and Carter pick up the victory over Natalia and Knox, uh, Chance and Carter, you can't you can't ignore them any longer. You know, WWE's got to
0: use them more and more right now. Yeah, and there was a uh, a backstage segment before this where Chelsea made fun of Natalia and Tegan Knox, and Tegan like faked out Chelsea and made her flinch. Mm-hmm. So, I thought that was a good additive to this. I believe uh not I believe they the champions did sit on commentary for this. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like pure gold. Yeah. Uh, Natalia doing the, what is it? The, was it Jerkin lift or whatever? The bodybuilder gimmick thing? Mm Mm-hmm. I thought that was fantastic where she did the the overhead press. That was incredible. Yeah. And I was actually surprised to see Caden Carter and Katana Chance pick up the victory. And I'm glad that perhaps this means they're going to be pushed. I'm going to say likely. Maybe. And Chelsea Green was I for some reason pissed off after the match. She got up on the apron and and Chance and Carter knocked her off. So I assume we'll we'll see some sort of match between them soon. Yeah. I I think that's very likely. We saw Cody Rhodes come out and speak about the poison mist and how he first saw it when he was a young boy. And it was done by Great Muda. And he feared it. And now that he's experienced it, he knows that he was right to fear the the poison mist. And Cody blamed himself for not listening to the clues that Nakamura had been dropping. And he called Nakamura out. The lights go out, like last week, where it puts Cody in the middle of the ring in the spotlight. And Nakamura showed up on the screen again and said last week, he made his eyes burn, but this week he'll open them. And he said that they've taken the same path, which I'm like, what does that mean? And then he spells it out: Royal Rumble winners failing at WrestleMania. I'm like, I didn't even put them together. Yeah, I totally went over my head. I thought that was great, and then Nakamura said he'll be finishing Cody's story, which is for some reason taking place next week. I don't know what that's going to. Yeah,
1: turn into. I didn't. I didn't understand why they're doing it next week. I mean, this is a pay-per-view match build to to me. Unless I mean, something
0: happens with the finish? I have no idea. Ex- that
1: That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that something's going to happen next week where we don't get a finish and it's just going to elongate into the pay-per-view.
0: Yeah, I don't know. But uh, earlier in the night, the Judgment Day, we're in their, their what do they call it, clubhouse. <laughs> I saw somebody compare it to the Little Rascals. I thought that was funny. That's funny. And R-Truth was in there again, and he had gotten them a very tiny, broken television, the one that you would like... I don't even know who would have a a TV that small. Maybe you'd have Mm -hmm. it like in your kitchen back in the day. I didn't have a TV that small in my kitchen, but I know some people used to have TVs in their kitchens. Oh, We had a, a very small one. Yeah, so maybe it was similar to that. Mm-hmm. but Damien Priest said that he thought that JD McDonough dealt with it. And, uh, he, he told our truth to leave and our truth thought <laughs> that, 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 um, that Damien Priest was talking about JD McDonough. So I thought that was funny, but the main thing that we learned in this segment was that rear Ripley and Finn Balor were not at Monday night raw. So, I thought that was an interesting thing to hold on to. And then also earlier in the night, we saw the creeds backstage training with new day. They, the, uh, the alpha Academy showed up and they were all just like hyping each other up Tazawa got squatted by, by Maxine. So I thought that was a a cool aspect of that promo. And then we move on to the actual match where the creeds pick up the victory over no judgment day. Wait, I, what the 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 judgment day picked up a victory over the creeds no the creeds yeah, picked they, up they, a they, victory they, right yes no no no, no the creeds no, won yeah, yeah the creeds the creeds hit that uh their... yeah the brutus ball yeah the brutus ball yeah for yeah, a second right. i had the the wrong pairing of judgment day in my head i thought the titles were on the line for a second oh no no no, no. but no it was it was dominic and and uh jd mcdonough yeah, you were right, and our truth came out, which I was a hundred percent hoping he would. Um, and the Creeds dominated in this match. Yeah, it was obviously not one sided, but the Creeds I think needed this victory, and when you have a match against Dominic and JD McDonough, the Judgment Day can have that that loss, mm-hmm. and JD tried to blame our truth for that that loss. When Damian Priest questioned it, but Dominic was like, listen, it wasn't R-Truth's fault. They're the real deal. You need to watch out because Damian Priest and Finn Balor are going to have to defend those titles against the Creed's. Yeah. So I liked that side of Dominic where he's like, because normally it's like, oh, yeah, maybe in a a different time, we would have seen Dominic blaming R-Truth. But here Mm -hmm. it's Dominic actually being like, no, 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 you need to actually look out for them. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was good too, you know? We saw Adam Pearce speak with Seth Rollins before the main event, and he told Seth Rollins that he invited CM Punk to Monday Night Raw next week, and he fully intends to sign him to an exclusive contract to Monday Night Raw. Seth Rollins didn't care he wanted nothing to do with that. He wanted to focus on the main event where he main evented against Jay Uso and he picked up the victory to retain the championship. They got rid of Yeet. Even though the fans are going to keep chanting Yeet, they're no longer saying it because of uh, an independent uh, pro wrestler who has who has it. Wait, who is this? Some indie wrestler has Yeet trademarked and they've no been way. using it for That's years. Why I- and it makes no sense. Like, just pay the guy or something. Yeah, I don't just know. buy it from him. It's such a popular thing in WWE right now. I don't know how you're leaving that on the table. No, they gotta, they gotta buy it. I mean, I'm surprised that they have to censor Yeet. Chance. I guess maybe because it's associated with pro wrestling in that trademark.
1: Hmm. That's so, interesting. I mean it's so hard to have a gauge of the 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 thing I don't like. I really don't like is when they mute the crowd. Even yeah. for like curses and stuff, I it it takes me away from anything yeah. that's taking place. Even in a promo like where the uh holy S chants and stuff like that, it takes me away yeah, so Yeah, that
0: rockin' and Pat McAfee promo was ruined by that. Exactly.
1: It takes me so out of it because I get it, you are having fun and stuff, but to have to censor that, it just takes me out of it. And
0: um, I think they did censor a few Yeats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. And they had it blurred on on the shirts and, and footage from it. Yeah. So that was unfortunate. But Jey yeah, Uso dedicated this match to Umaga, who passed away 14 years to that day. Uh, also, I apparently that was the day that the Usos got signed to WWE, which I don't think I knew. Huh. I didn't know that part. Yeah. But I think Jay Uso and Seth Rollins killed it. 100%. Definitely didn't think that Jay was going to win this, but that didn't, for me, take away from it at all. No. Jay Uso hit two spears. He hit two of the Uso splashes. I just thought this was a very good main event match. And after the match, Drew McIntyre showed up in a sweatshirt. He hits the Claymore commentary. like, who is that? Who is that? Brother, he hit the Claymore. What do you mean? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know. It's like, who do you think it's
0: going to be? And then Seth Rollins tried to take Drew McIntyre out, but he dropped Seth Rollins as well, and he put Jay Uso through the table to close Monday Night Raw.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, th- I like this side of um, Drew McIntyre. I really do.
0: And I thought it was you know? a, a good Monday Night Raw overall.
1: I agree with you. But let's get on to NXT as we head into... Deadline. uh, Which one? Deadline. Deadline. That's what I thought. I was like, I knew it was Deadline, but for some reason I wanted to say stand and deliver, but I'm like, no, I think it's Deadline.
0: So it opened up. Fallon Henley picked up the victory over Roxanne Perez, Kiana James, and Thea Hale to win the last chance Iron Survivor qualifier. And I thought this was pretty good. There were some weird spots, but like nothing too bad. Yeah, we saw uh, Roxanne Perez and Kiana James end up fighting on the barricade by the commentary table and both of them went through the the table I thought we were going to see Roxanne Perez move on to the match Mm -hmm. and if you asked me going into this of the four women who I would least expect to see win it would have probably been Fallon Henley
1: that's interesting. I would have put Fallon Henley up there. I mean she's well I over guess Roxanne Perez, Perez. I guess Perez too.
0: Thea Hale and Keanu James, I think those three have been like more elevated as of now, but Fallon Henley, I'm a hundred percent happy that she's in the match because she absolutely kills it when she's in the ring. Yeah. I I agree with you. We saw Izzy Dame confronted uh, confronting Kiana James in the trainer's room. Basically just saying she's got her back. I don't understand why. But Roxanne Perez and Kiana James started fighting. And then Ava randomly showed up and she's like, oh, I'm going to get this match made for deadline. And then it got confirmed as a cage match. But I don't understand why Ava... Why is Ava randomly making matches? Mm-hmm. Like, why... How and why that wasn't explained to us. I don't know if we're supposed to fill in like the pieces that prior to that, the last time we saw her, that Paul Heyman was speaking to her. Yeah. I have no idea.
1: So, yeah, I, I mean, we really have no clue at all.
0: After that though, Wesley came out to the ring with, uh, I don't know. What was it? A crutch. Do they call that a crutch? A cane perhaps? I don't know. It was, I guess a crutch. Axillary crutch. And he said that he needs surgery. He was crying real te- tears. Apparently, he, he absolutely needs back surgery. Which That's sucks. Awful. It sucks. I think they said, uh, what do they say, like eight months, nine months? I think so. That's very unfortunate. But Dominic Mysterio came out. He made fun of Wesley. And he thought that he had the night off at deadline. But Wesley announced that Dominic will still compete. And then Rey Mysterio showed up on the screen and said that he'll be defending the North American championship at deadline against Dragon Lee. And Rey Mysterio is going to be in Dragon Lee's corner. I have like mixed feelings about that Mm -hmm. because does that mean Dragon Lee is going to beat Dominic for the title and then take it to SmackDown? Is he going to be allowed I to take it to SmackDown? Like, he's already confirmed as a member of the SmackDown roster.
1: But then you have so many title champions from NXT that had to drop their championships. Like, Dominic obviously doesn't. Mm hmm.
0: So, part but of you had your
1: your women's tag team champions have to drop theirs. Yeah, yeah, I just... Indie Hartwell
0: have to drop hers. I mean, maybe it's just one of those, like, we're doing new things now? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. But earlier in the night, we saw Lyra Valkyria asked about Fallon Henley winning the last spot in the Iron Survivor Challenge, but she was interrupted by Electra Lopez and Lola Vice, and then Tatum Paxley joined in and told her to put her money where her mouth is, basically. And Lola Vice picked up the victory over Tatum Paxley. I like this new character that Paxley's doing. I like that she's being used on TV and we're seeing that development of this character. Mm -hmm. But I definitely thought that Lola Vice was going to be winning this. As it really wouldn't make sense for her to lose to Tatum Paxley. But it was interesting to hear people cheering for her when she's presented as a heel.
1: Yeah, it definitely makes you kind of wonder
0: about everything. And I don't know but, where this storyline yeah. is going to lead to, with Tatum and, and Lyra, at least.
1: That I don't know either. But next up, you had Alpha Academy. Pick up the victory over the Metaphor. You must have loved the beginning um, of this with the amateur-style wrestling. Yeah, we got some amateur wrestling, uh, which was really special.
0: I think that, I'm like... Mean, between Chad Gable and Noam Dar right at the the start of the match, I think that was pretty cool. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean,
1: overall, I think the match was fun. Yeah, the match was definitely fun. I think the big takeaway, though, I mean, Lash, that body slam to uh, Otis.
0: Yeah, that was you know, nuts.
1: L- Lash Legend. I mean, I was listening to Busted Open, and they were even saying how much more difficult it is for you to hit a body slam on somebody after hitting the ropes, because now not only not like usually you just have to pick them up, but when they're hitting the ropes, you have to pick them up and actually hold them with meeting their momentum pushing towards you. Do you remember who said that? Uh, Bully Ray. I like when yeah. they give the that that sort of insight. Yeah, Bully Ray said that it's more difficult for someone after you hit the ropes and rebound to do a body slam as opposed to a stagnant body slam because you have that momentum. And he was he brought up saying how Otis stopped his momentum uh, midway, which made it even more difficult. And he also added that uh, Lash Legend had to back up, take two steps back, while holding him. Which is even more of a feat to be able to take two steps back and then readjust him and then do the slam. So I thought that that was really uh, an awesome spot. I think that spot
0: alone broke the internet. You know, that was huge. Prior to that, I think the only other like feat in regards to women and Otis was Bianca Belair. Yeah. When Bailey did that challenge with her, she made Bianca Belair run with Otis on her back. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool that we have a spot like that in the history of WWE. And now we have a spot from Lash Legend body slamming Otis in the history yeah. of WWE. I thought that was really cool. But Chad Gable made Noam Dar tap out this time to, to cause the end of the match. Last week we saw he tapped out afterwards so he didn't win the Heritage Cup. So maybe this lands Chad Gable another shot at the Heritage Cup. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Nah. We saw the Iron Survivor Challenge Women's Match Summit. Which turned into a brawl. And originally I wasn't into this segment when they're just like all sitting there. I'm like, I don't think... We need this. But then I liked that each of them got a chance to speak and I didn't mind the brawl. Mm -hmm. And there was a QR code on the podium that Byron was standing behind. And when you scanned it, it led to a deadline poster where if you clicked it, it was Cora Jade saying, see you at deadline. So I don't know if that means that Cora Jade is going to be showing up and beating up the winner or if she's going to show up take somebody in this match out and then win the Iron Survivor Challenge somehow? Or what's going to... I
1: mean, I think that the big... I think the big thing is, no matter what, Cora Jade
0: is showing up. I I mean, mean, we have to assume that. Yeah, she's back. And then we saw Nathan Fraser versus Axiom, which was a friendly competition based on what happened last week. No contest, though, because the women showed back up And brawled into the match. And we saw Nikita Lyons show up. She took Blair Davenport down. Blair Davenport was credited as taking Nikita Lyons out and causing her to have to have surgery. So I could see Nikita Lyons maybe causing Blair Davenport that match at deadline. Maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. After that, Andre Chase spoke to the students of Chase U and he said that he was the person who put them in the unfortunate position. He fell short as an example that he's supposed to set. And due to the result, Chase U is under academic probation. And Thea Hale wanted to know how much he owes. And he said that hundreds of thousands of dollars are owed. And the students were suggesting some ways to get out of debt, which uh, I don't think that's going to work. I don't think a bake sale is going to work. <laughs> but Thea Hale seemingly maybe fell in love with one of the people who suggested something. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll see something with that. But I don't. I don't understand what this Andre Chase thing is doing. I don't know what the the end game of it is. Yeah. I
1: I mean, I kind of visualize something with Million Dollar Man helping them out. Uh, perhaps, like maybe they get a loan. They take out a loan from the Million Dollar Man.
0: Not, or maybe uh... they
1: take out they take out a loan from uh,
0: uh, Grimes. I I feel like it would cause a disruption on the internet if Teddy Biasi was put in a position like that, given everything that's going on with his family. Uh, so maybe Grimes. Isn't Grimes still a
1: millionaire? I don't know. I don't know if Cameron Grimes spent all his money. Exactly. We still don't know about Grimes' status, so technically we could. I mean, let's. we also have somebody on their NXT roster who is filthy rich too, outside well, of Grimes.
0: Kiana James is. Exactly. You know? And, I mean, she tried to buy Fallon Henley's bar. Exactly. Maybe she'll and- buy
1: Chase U. Exactly, and she's a heel, so what happens if they decide, like, you know, there's nothing else that they can do, and they're like, Kiana James, we're at a loss, please, can you help us? And then they kind of become her, uh, It's be- it becomes her sorority. Well, that's not how universities work. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it could work in wrestling, where she just changes it. Instead of chase you, it becomes her University. I mean, it would, t- it would totally go with her gimmick. Yeah, well, university, not sorority. Yeah, but it could work.
0: It could. Keanu? No. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Um, after that, we saw Tyler Bate pick up the victory over Eddie Thorpe, Joe Coffey, and Carmelo Hayes to win the last chance Iron Survivor qualifier. Earlier in the night though we saw WWE Anonymous caught Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams talking from the night that Trick Williams got attacked. Trick left and Carmelo soon after followed Trick Williams. And Trick Williams confronted Carmelo about the WWE Anonymous anonymous footage and he's like let's let me handle this match first. We saw Lexus King also cut a promo about Carmelo Hayes. So, I still don't think Carmelo Hayes. I say it every week, I don't think he's innocent. I agree.
1: I don't think he's innocent. I think that I mean, I think that all signs point to it that him being the person that that's guilty with it.
0: Yeah. As yeah. far as the match goes, I thought it was decent. For me, I kind of felt like we needed more from this, though. But I don't know um, what more
1: would have. You know, I kind of feel like I wish I didn't listen to Bustin' Open" before, but I kind of do feel like the women have sold me more than the men in regards yeah. to their Iron well, Survivor qualif- uh, match.
0: This, yes and no. Like I,
1: I like I don't have a connection to Tyler Bate. You know, I don't, I don't feel a. I don't know why. I don't not. know.
0: A big strong I boy.
1: Yeah, I don't know. He's never really done it for me too much. He puts on great matches, but maybe just because he's been out there for so long? I don't know.
0: But during this match, Joe Coffey hit uh, Eddie Thorpe with a, a spine buster on the steel steps. And he got checked on by medical. That basically took him out of the match. I liked the the sunset flip spot from Carmelo Hayes to Joe Coffey that triggered a German suplex to Tyler Bate. But despite Carmelo Hayes being Carmelo Hayes, for me, the only person that I wanted to win that match and be in the Iron Survivor Challenge was Tyler Bate. Because the other people in that match are super tall. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when we see cool spots with Tyler Bate.
1: Yeah, I agree. So he'll That's be able true. to go
0: up against Trick Williams, t- super tall. Josh Briggs, super tall. Braun Breaker, he's taller. And and Dijak also is super tall. Yeah. So I think we're going to get cool spots out of Tyler Bate in that match. But everyone in the Iron Survivor Challenge came out to speak. Dijak attacked Eddie Thorpe while he was speaking, while Eddie Thorpe was being helped to the back. So that kind of continues their storyline. But once Trick Williams got out there, they all started brawling. And that is, to me, goofy because both Iron Survivor challenge match segments end like that. Mm-hmm. I really, really hated that. And then we saw Carmelo Hayes speaking to Ava backstage. Again, I don't know what's giving her the power, why she's the one that's like going, why are people going through hard to talk to Shawn Michaels? But Mm -hmm. Trick Williams confronted him about Lexus King and he said, I'll prove that I'm not working with Lexus King by fighting him at deadline. And Ava went and got that match made. So we're going to see that at, uh, at deadline, I believe. I believe so as well. And then the the close of NXT saw Ilya Dragunov and Baron Corbin in a face-to-face where Corbin spoke about Dragunov leaving his son and how he's making excuses so he feels better about what he's doing to his son with him not being there. And then Dragunov got pissed off. He contained it. And and he said that if I were to attack you, you're not going to make it to deadline if I unleashed my anger. And Corbin kept trying to poke the bear and kept trying to make him snap. He turned his back on Ilya off even. And Ilya turned Corbin around as if he was going to attack him and he hugged him. And he said that the only person who can kill the dragon is the dragon himself.
1: I don't know who's gonna kill Dragon No, I. I, I don't, don't know. think Corbin is winning. I don't think so either. Which puts us. I mean, what happens to go- with Corbin?
0: I don't know. Yeah. But then, just like the the women, the men came out again. They that, that ended at NXT. They all brawled again.
1: Yeah. And trick Which ended I think up. Was, trick got. I think it was great with table. the women
0: brawling again. You know. Yeah. But Trick got speared through a table. Tyler Bay was the one left standing. Yeah. So that's NXT moving over to NXT deadline. Take a place in Bridgeport, Connecticut, right over the bridge and up the whatever road it is. Or over <laughs> a ferry, whatever you want to take. We'll go north N95. It's uh north. apparently a little ferry ride away. Yeah. At the total mortgage arena. You have on the the pre-show, we're going to see Nathan Fraser take on Axiom. That match will happen, hopefully, this time. I don't know who's going to win this. I'm going to say Nathan Fraser. I'm going to go Nathan Fraser as well. Carmelo Hayes taking on Lexus King. I'm going to go Lexus King. Yeah, I think I'm going to say Lexus King as well.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say Lexus King in this one. Uh, let's head over to the steel cage match. Roxanne Perez taking on Kiana James. I want to go with Kiana James.
0: I'm, it. I'm gonna say, Roxanne Perez.
1: Okay. All right. Men's Iron Survivor Challenge to determine the number one contender for the NXT Championship. You got Dijak taking on Trick Williams. Josh Briggs, Braun Breaker, and Tyler Bate. Um, I would like to see DiJack win, but I kind of think it could end up being Trick
0: Williams. That seems the most likely to further their storyline. Yeah. What do you think? I'm going to say trick Williams. I feel like that could be wrong though. Okay. But it it makes the most sense with the whole thing with Carmelo Hayes, where he would like be jealous or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. The women's iron survivor challenge. You see Tiffany Stratton facing off against lash legend, Blair Davenport, Kalani Jordan and Fallon Henley. My fingers are crossed for Kalani Jordan. But I don't know um, if that's going to happen.
1: I think that... You know what? Uh, no. Ooh, let's see. I'm going to go with... Who's the champion right now? Refresh me.
0: It's Lyra Valkyria.
1: Lyra Valkyria. I'm going to go with Blair Davenport. I'm going to go with Blair...
0: Davenport on this one for the North American Championship. Dirty Dom Mysterio, reta- uh, not retaining, defending the title against Dragon Lee. Ooh, or could have Brandy just predicted the future? I'm gonna say Dragon Lee though. What? As much as I don't want to see that happen, I'm gonna say Dragon Lee. I'm going Dirty Dom. He got he got Mama, mommy by his side. I'm going Dirty Dom. I, and no offense to Dragon Lee, I just truly don't want to see that. I want to see Dominic <laughs> continue that reign.
1: And we might as well say, with no offense, if you're going to be sw- swapping masks, wear a towel with you. And know, have somebody by ringside. I think he should a bring a,
0: another mask with him so he could see better. But I, uh, I feel like I would be excited and both devastated to lose the mask that I went to the show with. <laughs> but I think yeah, it's super cool you know? that he trades masks. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, that's that's such a cool aspect, but you know, with video cameras this day and age and stuff, you got to cover up that face. Yeah. But for
0: the NXT Championship, you have the champion Ilya Dragunov defending the title against Baron Corbin. Ilya Dragunov, 100%. Dragunov. So those are our predictions for NXT Deadline. Moving over to SmackDown, it was tribute to the troops, the War and Treaty performed, America the Beautiful. JBL also did commentary for the show, and the first match of SmackDown saw Santos Escobar pick up the victory over Dragon Lee to advance in the United States Championship Tournament. I don't think I like Dragon Lee being in this match, because he's in that match at deadline. So, why have him lose before maybe he wins? I'm I'm not sure. Doesn't really look built up for the event but Dominic Mysterio came out and and st- stood ringside for this. I thought they had a good match. The ending was kind of abrupt, but Dominic stood over Dragon Lee afterwards. We saw Cody Rhodes come out, thank the the service men and women and introduced a John Cena tribute to the troops video package and then he introduced the US Army drill team. He just wanted to be part of this event. Next match, we saw Bobby Lashley pick up the victory over Karrion Cross to advance in that United States tournament. Uh, Brad Nessler from CBS Sports did commentary. He was there promoting the Army versus Navy football game. But given that Bobby Lashley was in the military, I don't really see how he could have lost this match. So it was all but his match to to have... Uh, and I liked the, the one spot when they were, were outside the ring. Bobby Lashley hopped onto the steps to avoid going into the steps when Carrying Cross whipped him into them. I thought that was cool, but uh, most of the match, I guess, was pretty even. I thought it was a good match, but I don't like Karrion Cross being put in a position to lose after not being on TV in months. I think it was August that we last saw him. So that sucks, but like I said, with Bobby Lashley being in the military, this being tribute to the troops, I don't see how he could have lost. And also, Brad Nessler, I thought, did pretty decent on commentary. Seemed like he knew the product, and I thought that was pretty cool. After that, CM Punk came out. Uh, When he came out, he stopped and looked at a fan's World Heavyweight Championship, which I thought was a nice tease. And then he questioned if he should sign with Raw or SmackDown, He teased the Royal Rumble, and he asked who he should be talking about. He brought up Roman Reigns and told him not to forget who the OG Paul Heyman guy is. He mentioned, if he were to go out in the bloodline, who would he team with? He mentioned Randy Orton. He mentioned LA Knight. He mentioned Kevin Owens, which was a funny part of the promo. One of those, if you know, you know, sort of things. Um... And then he addressed Seth Rollins and said that he'll talk to Shawn Michaels. He'll let the people know on Monday Night Raw. And he wants to finish his story. He wants to main event WrestleMania. And I think this promo was so much better than that that promo on Monday Night Raw. And it, all, it has to be, at this point, it seems like it has to be CM Punk versus Seth Rollins, night one of WrestleMania. And then Punk backstage tease going into the bloodlines locker room he ran into kevin owens who was not really happy to see him and he asked where nick aldis's office was kevin owens didn't know and then he ended up in nick aldis's office he got the contract from nick and then cody rhodes kind of confronted him about the raw rumble and just welcomed him back after that we saw oscar pick up the victory over charlotte uh damage control came out there without bailey she was asked to stay back But Mia Yim, Zelina Vega ended up attacking Damage Control. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart and Bianca Belair also came out to take Damage Control out of this match. Um, This was taking place because if Charlotte wants Io and wants a shot at the, the championship, she also has to go through every member of Damage Control And like I said, Bailey was asked to stay in the back. She did make her way out and she pulled Flair out of the figure eight. Uh, Flair ended up knocking her off the apron, but Asuka got a quick roll up off of that. So I'm glad that Asuka won. I don't know if this match was cut short. I think something happened with Charlotte during the commercial break and she seemed super out of it. I don't know uh, the referees and, and medical. It seemed like they were checking on her after the match. I'm not sure. So... Hopefully she's fine. Earlier in the night, we saw Randy Orton question Nick Aldis as to why he had him tagging with LA Knight when he doesn't even know who LA Knight is. And I feel like that's not a great thing to do when you're trying to build up LA Knight. But uh, Nick Aldis said that it's because that he was uh, he saved Randy Orton last week. Randy was like, I don't need saving. And Aldis was like, well, I want to see the match. L.A. Knight kind of looked annoyed when he walked up to Randy Orton before the match. CM Punk showed up, wished both of them luck, and then Orton was like, you ready? And obviously, L.A. Knight said, yeah. And then they picked up the victory over Solo, Sokoa, and Jimmy Uso. Certainly seems like Randy Orton should know who he is now. He's beyond over with that crowd still. Uh, The match saw a lot of cheap tactics from Jimmy. And L.A. Knight eventually got the hot tag to Randy Orton, Orton ran through his moveset with Jimmy. He got the power slam, the backdrop on the commentary table, the rope hung DDT. And he went for the RKO, but Solo took him out, teased the Samoan spike. Then LA Knight took Solo out and he went for the BFT on Jimmy and and Randy Orton turned Jimmy out of that and hit the RKO to pick up the victory. So I I like that finish. Uh, Overall, I thought it was a decent match. I feel like more could have been done with this match. But it was just one of those super random matches. Uh, and then Randy Orton, uh, not Randy Orton, Roman Reigns is back on SmackDown next week, so I'm sure we'll see, we'll see some sort of interaction between Roman Reigns and Randy Orton. I don't think CM Punk will be signing to SmackDown. So that's SmackDown. going to take a quick little break, and I'll be right back here on Marking out. Hey, you guys, it's Rob Paulson here. Are you a wrestling fan? I am. That's why I listen to Marking Out, because it's a badass show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 670. Going back to last week's AEW Rampage, it kicked off with the best friends and Hookhausen picking up the victory over Dark Order and 3.0. Uh, I don't know why Dark Order and 3.0 are are teaming up here. Best friends and and Hookhausen, that makes sense. But at least Alex Reynolds got to wrestle and we got to see him wrestle on television. Jake Hager served as a distraction for the heels to uh, attack the faces before the bell. Tony Schiavone, spoke about the fans, uh, how the fans love when matches break down with all the competitors in the ring like that at one time. And I can't stand when that happens. And I can't be the only person. But I thought the hug spot where Hook was hesitant was funny, but that led to all the heels getting a quick knockdown from the the delay. I think the match could have used more structure and rules to it, but um, also, I mean, to add to the chaos, Wheeler Yuta came out to serve as a quick distraction at one point, but for how much comedy and distractions there were in this match. I think it went too long. If you shaved some of it down, I think it would have been better. After that, Sting and Ric Flair had a segment which I just think was simply not needed. It was done just because Sting and Flair were in the main event at the Mall of America in the same city. But this was a segment that I think could have been on uh, Twitter, an exclusive for Twitter or something like that. And it was clearly edited because nothing that was reported about this aired. And it was a pretty controversial thing. Ric Flair even offered to leave AEW over the backlash he received, which I don't think Tony Khan is going to acknowledge at all. And he'll most likely just ignore that. I know he said something about Ric Flair is paying them to be there, basically, so... I don't I mean at what point like you have a whole fan base saying we don't want Flair. I shouldn't say a whole fan base, but a lot of them are like, we don't want Flair on TV, so you gotta weigh your pros and cons. I don't think it's worth it. Especially after you you spoke about other people who have been in the same situations as Ric Flair. So After that, the family picked up the victory over or the Don Callis family picked up the victory over Jossie, Kit Sackett, and Rennie D. Uh, I think the, the Don Callis family should be beyond this point of facing enhancement talent. This is wasting Hobbs, it's wasting Fletcher, and it's 100% wasting Takeshta. Rewind before the, the Don Callis thing. We thought Takeshita was going to be this huge like single star. And now and then, when it, when they signed up with the the Don Cal's family, we thought he was going to be a single star, and we thought he was going to be a big proponent in AEW, and it's gone nowhere. Neither of them being in the Continental Classic, I think, is absolutely ridiculous. That being Hobbs and Takeshita. We saw Hobbs do what he did to Big Show a few weeks ago in that in that Sega match, and now he beats someone who's not even close to being Big Show. So I think that works against Will Hobbs here. But the main focus of this afterwards was Don Callis cutting a promo on Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. Maybe they're just going to feud with the Golden Jets over the number one contender tag team slot. I, I don't know when that'll happen. I assume World's End is going to have to have a tag team title shot with the Golden Jets. After that, Hikaru Shida, Chris Statlander, and Sky Blue teamed up to take on the Outcast and Anna Jay, which was a random, to me, we have nothing to do with the women. Let's just put them in this sort of match. We saw the outcast and Anna Jay interviewed earlier, and Angelo Parker showed up as if he wasn't just in the opening segment. I thought that was weird. But Anna Jay told him not to go out for the match. The faces were also interviewed, and it really didn't answer as to why they were a team. Especially with Sky Blue. But at least the match was good. Chris Statlander and, and Sky Blue were still at odds over Sky Blue losing that title match at the pay-per-view, where where Chris Statlander wasn't even pinned. But Hikaru Shida took over as leader and Chris Statlander pulled Ruby Soho into a kick from Anna Jay. Sky Blue got the pin and if they continue this and add like a storyline other than Angelo Parker's romance with Ruby Soho, I'd I'd be for it. Make it make sense. Don't just give me random matches that don't make sense. On Collision, we saw Tony Storm cut a promo on Sky Blue, which Sky Blue responded to, uh, making a title match for for Dynamite, which I'll talk about. But it also makes that match that we just saw confusing to me. I, I didn't understand. I didn't understand any of it, but. Penta, Commander, and Vikingo picked up the victory over the workhorseman and Brian Cage. This was also one of those random pairings, but we saw Prince Nana and, and Brian Cage with the Workhorseman earlier and said he needs them to step up to the plate for the Mogul Embassy. So at least there was story involved there when they have such a random team. But I think the Workhorsemen look great here. JD Drake... I think looked great tossing Vikingo around. There was a botch from Vikingo that went all over Twitter. I think the absolute worst part of that match and that spot was Aubrey going up on the ropes as if she was grand metallic for going for a drop kick just to avoid the luchadors diving to the outside, which she clearly did not need to even do. Why is she doing that? Why is she being allowed to do goofy antics like that? It makes no sense. But the spot that Vikingo jumped out and, and messed up, J.D. Drake recovered that perfectly. He ran up, he caught Vikingo, made sure he was safe, and then he threw him up against the ropes, hit him with that big forearm, and I think that very much so recovered the spot. I think J.D., Made the spot work there. The person who I think looked very weak in this match was Brian Cage, especially after that trio of moves that was done to him, because it took way too long after that Codebreaker for Vakingo to hit that dive. And I wish that the double the the double foot stomp from from Anthony Henry to Commander ended the match, but Henry ended up accidentally kicking Brian Cage. Brian Cage took him out. And then Prince Nana made Brian Cage leave. So, kind of makes the faces look weak. Going three on two. But that's the end of Rampage going to collision. It opened with Brody King. Picking up the victory over Claudio to gain points in the Continental Classic. And I thought this was a great match. I don't understand why Brody King was able to use his cast though. That doesn't make sense to me. That's like, clearly should be a DQ. And obviously I could do without them going to the outside of the ring. Um, I mean, if it was just the uppercut spot, I wouldn't have minded, but they continued to fight all outside the ring. And I could have done without that. I was very surprised to see Brody King pick up that victory, but he literally used his cast in front of the referee. Commentary even pointed it out. So I don't understand how that's legal. I don't understand that at all. Next up, we saw Abaddon pick up the victory over Kiara Hogan. Very surprising to see Abaddon. The the last time Abaddon was on television was for Halloween. And we thought that was it. But uh, also, I think Kiara Hogan should be much higher up than where she is right now. But I like this match. I like that cutter spot from Abaddon. Um, I think it would have been so much better had there been storyline involved. And I don't think the, the light thing needed to happen, but Julia Hart appeared in the ring. They went off again. She was gone. So it seems like Julia is just going to run through people who barely wrestle or barely get wins because we're probably going to see Julia Hart and Abaddon. They announced Abaddon's got another match coming up. Obviously building Abaddon up, but what is that doing? There's no storyline there. They're not doing any storyline. It's just matches. After that, Andrade picked up the victory over Daniel Garcia to gain points. Though it was a decent match, Almas uh, reversed a move from Garcia. Uh, I forget what move Garcia was about to do, but he dropped him with the, the hammerlock DDT. So I'm glad Andrade gets points. I don't need Garcia to get points, but it almost seems like we're going to see like a huge comeback from Daniel Garcia. I don't even know if that's possible mathematically at this point. I'm not sure, but later on Lana was interviewed, got interrupted by Miro and she stopped him from going into the locker room to beat Andrade up. And she said, she wants to go to the finals. And she asked Miro not to put his hands on Andrade And he promised to not lay his hands on Andrade. Maybe he'll use a chair. I have no idea. After that, the kingdom picked up the victory over Iron Savages. Roddy kept preaching that MJF is the devil. Um. So he's kind of looking crazy at this point. And it maybe he is the devil, I have no idea. Maybe it's Roddy, I don't know. Maybe it's Adam Cole. Uh, but every time the Iron Savages are on television, I say that I wish they were used more and I wish that they were built up. So, because I think they're both so talented, but um, yeah, I just wish more for them. I know this match was was short. It started with everyone in the ring, so that didn't make sense to me. I just wish there was more to it. After that, Ethan Page was interviewed I still don't know why he's not with the Hardy Boys anymore, but he spoke about how he's been on a win streak in Ring of Honor. He wants Kenny Omega in Canada, so that is going to air this week on Collision. House of Black picked up the victory over Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel. Very random. Apparently, this was a standby match, according to commentary, but the match was enjoyable. I thought it was quite competitive, so... Maybe it doesn't really make sense for House of Black to be in that spot, but Malachi Black got that kick at the very end to end the match. The lights going out afterwards was goofy because it just led to FTR coming out. House of Black offered them a spot in the group and then attacked them. And then Malachi Black said, Look, nobody's coming for you, nobody's coming to help you. So they're, they're building somewhat of a... I mean, they're building an FTR and House of Black thing. I don't think FTR will end up joining. But I'm looking forward to whatever happens with this match. After that, Vikingo picked up the victory over Kip Sabian. I think this was also one of the standby matches. I'm not 100% sure. But it was also another good match. And I don't think the, the AAA Mega Championship was on the line. But... I don't think it was surprising to see Kip Sabian lose. I think the last time he won was like almost a year ago. We saw Keith Lee interviewed. (sighs) Who is the person he's talking about? He was interrupted by Shane Taylor, which is who one of the people I assumed he was talking about. He assumed he was the person that Keith Lee was talking about. It sets up a match of final battle. I still don't think he's the person that Keith Lee was talking about. And then the main event saw Brian Danielson pick up the victory over Eddie Kingston to gain points in that continental classic hot main event. No way in hell was Brian Danielson losing this match. And Brian won with literally like a minute left. And I think it's goofy that they added those standby matches when you had something end at like the very last second of the, the, TV show. Especially since the number, the normal number of collision matches that we've seen as of late is seven. So I don't understand how two matches got added. That didn't make sense to me. But it was a good main event. Brian Danielson got points. Moving over to AEW Dynamite. It opened with John Moxley picking up the victory over Roosh to gain points in the Classic. Uh, they opened up with Chops. That looked super real. That's a plus for AEW. And then they almost immediately went to the outside and I lost interest. Every single match on, I don't know when the last time a match hasn't gone to the outside in AEW at this point. And I'm almost certain every match on Dynamite at least did. And I think Roos should have won this match. We saw Swerve pick up the victory over Mark Briscoe to game points. Headman spoke about Swerve before this. And he took something from Swerve that he'll never get back, and it's not over, unfortunately. MJF interrupted, and it's supposed to be his interview time, and it led to them going back and forth, which was whatever. I know people were like, oh, this was amazing. I didn't think so. Uh, But the match I thought was really good. Probably, uh, Probably the best match in the Continental Classic. Despite them going to the outside. Also, Mark Briscoe not getting any points in the tournament. And mathematically eliminating him. I think that just sucks. I think Briscoe should have won that very first match that he was in. What does this do for him? Unless he like now becomes the person that stops somebody else from winning the the Continental Classic. By getting a victory over them. I, I don't get it at all. So that sucks. Earlier on, though, the kingdom got interviewed and Roddy again, basically saying that MJF is the devil, that Samoa, he's going to turn on Samoa Joe. And then he stood up from his wheelchair and uh, said that he's not going to let that hold him back anymore. You go to the match, MJF and Samoa Joe versus the devil's henchmen did not actually happen. The lights flickered before MJF came out and Joe was surrounded. The lights went out again. They were gone. And then the devil appeared on the screen and MJF was taken out backstage. Title laid out flat perfectly. Beer bottle smashed over MJF, we assume. And then if you go back to that segment with Hangman, people were like, oh my God, Hangman's the devil. That's what I guess it's supposed to make it look like. I don't think Hangman is the devil. But Samoa Joe ran off to go 10 to MJF because he wants MJF at 100% at Worlds, and so I guess Samoa Joe wasn't looking after him then. They should have come out as a tag team. Tony Storm picked up the victory over Sky Blue to retain the championship. Ben Mankiewicz from uh, Turner Classic Movies introduced Tony Storm. I'm not familiar with him. I know a lot of people are like, this is fantastic. I have no idea who he is. I have not watched Turner Classic movies probably since I was a child. But Sky Blue lost the TBS Championship match at the pay-per-view. Like I said earlier, I don't know why this match happened at all. Luther... Helped Tony Storm for a move in front of the referee, which I don't understand how that was not a disqualification. Take that out. Take the fact that it made no sense that Sky Blue was getting a title shot. Take that out. This match was good. Sky Blue, I think, is growing big time as a performer. The only thing that sucked about this was that Sky Blue's shoulders were not down. I don't know if that's going to lead to any sort of storyline. Probably not. But her shoulders were not even close to being on the mat. And the referee's just sitting there, boom, one, two, three. The next worst thing that happened was Riho showing up. Showed up after the match. It led to a quick tussle. Very confusing. But in a perfect world, Mariah Mays' first opponent in AEW would be heartbeating beating Riho. And not having Riho get a title shot. I don't think Riho should have a title shot. I don't think Riho should have a title shot at world's end. I That's what it seems like it could set up. I think that's goofy. We don't need Riho right now like that. She's not built up at all. After that, Jay White picked up the victory over Jay Lethal to gain points in the Continental Classic, even though Jay White can't win the title. And now Jay Lethal is now uh, mathematically eliminated. So, I think the fans were... The fans seemed into this match, but it also seemed like they were more into making like the, the joke chants, like, let's go Jay, Jay forever, or let's go Jay, Jay you suck. Because both of them have the same first name. I could have done without this match. I could have done with both of them. Being counted out. Neither of them getting points. Made event. Saw Christian pick up the victory over Edge. To retain the TBS championship. uh, The TNT championship. Sorry. The last time they faced off. In a singles match one on one. It was May 2010 on Monday Night Raw. Where Edge thought. Christian was who Randy Orton picked for the Pick Your Poison opponent. Uh, and after a, somewhat of a long match with, uh, with Edge winning, Orton appeared on the screen. He's like, bro, why was Christian out there? Your opponent's Undertaker. I, think that's, I still think that's one of the funniest things. But uh, as far as this match goes, I thought it was decent. But I thought it, it felt like something was missing. The referee, I thought, was beyond goofy multiple times in this. One is just that he can't help. One was that it was part of the story. Christian low blowed him at one point. Grabbed the title. Edge ducked it. They both took each other out. Nick Wayne's mom, why is she at these shows? The kid's over 18. Why is she there every week? That makes no sense. But Nick Wayne's mom comes out. Takes forever teasing who she's going to hit. Obviously, she's hitting edge. Clocks edge with the title. She falls over. And then Christian picks up the victory. The referee at, at, at no point in time cared that he was kicked below the belt. What did he think happened there? That makes no sense. It's so stupid. And I thought that was such a bad way to end their first match in 13 years. Obviously, I didn't think there was going to be like a clean finish. But to have that unfold, the referee gets knocked down, kicked. You you feel that. That's something you feel. La-di-da-di-da. One, two, three. That makes absolutely no sense. And people are like, uh, if you're watching the, the product, you know that it fits in the story. Why didn't she go and do anything to Swerve? Swerve killed Nick Wayne. Swerve left him in a bloody pool of his own blood. Yet she cares more about Edge? That makes zero sense. That's AEW Dynamite. Hey, Brandon. Got any shout-outs? Hi, this is Casey Kasem. And up next on the American Top 40, Brandon shout-out. The first shout-out goes to Selena and Chef, Home for the Holidays. The four seasons of the normal show are on HBO. Uh, just Max, sorry. I don't know they should have <laughs> removed HBO. It's just in my system to say HBO Max. But this version of it premiered on Food Network. It's a four-part special. You can also watch the episodes catch up on Max. And if I'm not mistaken, this uh, since the, the actual show was filmed during COVID, I think only one episode with a celebrity chef was filmed in person. Mm -hmm. which was Gordon Ramsay. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I think it is. These are all filmed in person, though. And uh, it's just a fun show in general. You get to see her cooking. The chefs are cooking. If you enjoy cooking shows, I think you would enjoy this. Plus, it's a holiday-related show, so it's, Mm -hmm. like, extra special. So Mm -hmm. I would say check it out. The next shout-out goes to Genie which is a new movie on Peacock. It came out a few weeks ago, I think at this point, starring Melissa McCarthy as a genie. And she helps out Papa Isayadou's character with his family. And Denae Benton's in it. Mark Marin's in it. Luis Guzman. Alan Cumming is also in it. I thought it was a funny movie. I wish it was longer. But I think it's a good like holiday movie to check out and... It's actually a remake of a BBC television film that Alan Cumming was actually in. Mm -hmm. So I think that's cool. But it's the holiday season. If you like holiday related stuff, this is for you. Yeah. My last shout out goes to Norman Lear, who unfortunately passed away this week at the age of 101. Wow. He was a legend in television, I believe. His first big hit in TV that he developed was All in the Family, which mm-hmm. literally changed television, the, the TV sitcom forever. Yeah, I mean, they he broke barriers with that show. They, they spoke about topics that you wouldn't normally have in a sitcom. Yeah. He did Sanford and Son, he did Maud, he did The Jeffersons, uh, One Day at a Time, he did Good Times. And I think his production company also did Facts of Life in different strokes, but he wasn't actually a producer on it. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure all these shows are on streaming platforms all over the place. They were all so good in their own way. And I'm happy that Nickelodeon aired reruns of them when I was a kid and I got to watch and enjoy all of them.
1: Yeah, they said that they were going to actually do a special tribute to him on like every channel or most of the main channels where they were going to do a a condolence card kind of a thing at the same time.
0: I know Jimmy Kimmel created a uh, show where they like redo famous episodes that Norman mm-hmm. Lear had, had done. Mm-hmm. So live from a s- studio audience, I think it's called not a hundred percent sure on that, but I've spoken about that on, on here as well. And Norman Lear was at all of them, I believe. So I would say uh, just go out and watch some of those shows and, and, Remember a TV legend. So those are my shout outs. Now it's time for our... Mark Out of the Week. That is right our mark out moment of the week. I think uh, for me, I think the biggest thing was seeing the wrestlers interact at the Big 12 game.
1: Yeah, that was pretty cool. I mean, Jade Cargill and uh, Undertaker there.
0: Jade Cargill presented Nelly with the WWE Championship. And I think it's always funny to hear somebody talk about how heavy the title is. Because when we went and interviewed Matt Cardona at his house and he handed me that internet championship, I could not believe how heavy it was. Yeah, (laughs) so I understand where Nelly's coming from there, but Samantha Irvin was there. Like you said, Undertaker, Michelle McCool, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre were also there. I also had no idea what the big 12 game was until WWE shop put up a t-shirt for the winners. Mm -hmm. And I found out that it was football. Um, but the one of the t shirts they put up looks like a complete knockoff of a Rock and John Cena combo t shirt, which is funny, funny because it was the longhorn who one.
1: Oh, gotcha. And it
0: says the champs I, are here or whatever. So it's mm-hmm. like a combination of those two shirts. Yeah, knocking to right. Yeah, but do you yeah. have any other mark out moments?
1: I mean, it's got to be SmackDown, you know, it's got to be a SmackDown with Um, uh, Irmugan and, uh, and amen which of just, course
0: you could see uh tiktok clips that we we put together on. yeah
1: check out the video over there that was just so awesome totally marked out for that uh that entire experience i marked out for that yeah uh also i marked out for lash legend slamming otis yeah big time mark out
0: but yeah take it home so that's episode 670 thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Marking Out. Also, thank you for, for everything. It's December. so thank you for everything this year. Uh, but you can follow us on Twitter at marking on Instagram at marking out 11 on TikTok at marking out. YouTube is marking out 11 as well. ProWrestlingTees.com slash markingout uh, bttG161, Chris Sweendog, CM Sweeney 85, David PTdPT markingout.com. Spotify podcast, Apple podcast, Amazon podcast. You could rate, review, and subscribe everything. Did I say marketingout.com? I feel like I did. Say it again. Thank you so much. We wish you the, the best. Best. I'm lucky in your, your future endeavors. endeavors. Have a fantastic week.